Lord, we thank you for your presence today. We thank you that your presence is not dependent upon our emotional mood swings. So grateful for that today, Lord. God, I'm so grateful that we can walk in here and some of us are walking in and we're so happy to be here and we feel like we're breathing in deeply and others have walked in today and we're frustrated as all get out because of something that's occurred or going on in our lives and others have come in and maybe we're sad today and and we probably represent the gamut of emotions and you, Lord, are not moved by that. It causes you never to stumble. You're steadfast in your love for us, abounding in loving kindness, slow to anger. And Lord, I pray as we break open your word today, would you break open our hearts and would you speak to us things that we didn't even know we needed to hear because you love us and we're grateful in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Okay, girls, we're on week four of I am series week four. So some of you I know are new today and I'm so grateful that you're here. And so I want to briefly catch us up. We're in the middle of a seven week series And we switched directions back in September when Harvey hit and made his presence known to us. Everyone was a little wobbly and a little shaken and rattled by that. Some of us more than others. I know some of us are displaced. Some of us are still housing people. And one of the things that the Lord spoke very clearly to me during the the heat of all of that was that if, if we are going to endure crises in our lives like that and we're going to be flipped upside down, so to speak, we need to know who I am is. We need to know who is unwavering. And I need to know what is it that I'm, what, what causes my feet to remain steady when everything in life is unsteady and it's the great I am, it's Yahweh. So who is Yahweh? So we began to look at Exodus 34. And so what we've done the last uh, three weeks is we've just kind of broken down the characteristics of who Yahweh is, the God of the Bible, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Jesus, um, uh, Jesus, the Son of God. Who is Yahweh? And so we're really looking at it in Exodus 34. And so what I want to do is last week we looked at the first description he gave of himself. The very baseline emotion that God feels toward us is mercy. And he said to Moses, I am Yahweh, the Lord, the Lord. And he said, I'm compassionate and gracious. And so we really delved into that last week. And if you haven't heard it, be sure and and download it and listen to it on our website, yesministries.net. I think it will be helpful. So this week we're shifting and we're looking at the next thing that the Lord says about himself. And he says this, he says, I am compassionate and gracious. And he says, I'm slow to anger. I'm slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness and maintaining love to thousands. That's where we're going to camp today. I'm slow to anger, the Lord says. How many of us have a hard time believing that? And here's how I know when I'm not believing that God is a God that is slow to anger is my knee-jerk reaction when I think or I have screwed up or I think that I've messed up is to, to do this with him and think, oh gosh, I'm sure he's upset with me. I'm sure he's unhappy with me. I don't know how he feels about me now. Maybe I've disappointed him or maybe this is happening because I've messed up and he's trying to discipline me. But really when I say discipline, I mean punish. And God wants me to know and God wants you to know that he is slow to anger. And what this literally translates to mean is slow, when you translate it in the original text, means uh, long. It means long, 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 like with a lot of O's, long. (laughs) Slow to anger really means long of nostrils. 
Isn't that crazy? Long of nostrils. Have y'all seen, did y'all ever read the book Ferdinand, the bull? That movie's coming out soon. Has it come out? I don't know if it's out yet, but we're going to see it when it does. I read that to my kids a lot, and then there's one scene where Ferdinand gets mad or the other bulls get mad, and you see just all the wrath coming out through their nostrils. You see him get really mad. Well, that's what when the, when the Lord describes himself as slow to anger, he's got long nostrils. It takes a long time for that wrath to get out. But for those of us that are in Christ, for those of us that have made Christ our Savior, and we've said that blood shed on the cross, I need that to cover my sins. I don't ever have to be afraid of God's wrath. I I will never face His wrath anymore because that's been done on the cross. And so I'm completely forgiven past, present, and future sins. When I die, I know where I'm going. I'll be connected with Him face-to-face in heaven. And so I don't fear his wrath. And so when the Lord says I'm slow to anger, there are times in my life when I see like last week when the Las Vegas shooting occurred, my first reaction is, Lord, where are you? Where are you? Doesn't this make you angry? Come in power and and make this right. And scripture says this in 2 Peter 3, 9, it says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but he's patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. And so when the scriptures say that the Lord is slow to anger, it means that he's patient and enduring and he wants no one to perish. And so he's got a long fuse a long fuse because it's intentional because he's wanting everyone to come to know him. Now, the thing that we can learn about that is that God is not a God that twists our arm into loving him. He's not a God God that says, you will believe in me. You will love me. By golly, like I do to my kids, you will say you love me. I don't care that you're walking into school. You'll stop and turn around and scream it back to me. The Lord doesn't twist our arm to love him. He desires for all to come to him. And like I said last week, all of us are welcome to the table. Anyone is welcome to the table. We come to the table through Jesus. But anyone is welcome. And so the Lord, eventually, uh, judgment comes. Eventually, the Lord will make things right and come. But when I feel, as Second Peter is validating, when I feel that he's slow... Scripture's saying he's not slow like I feel like he's slow because last Monday when Las Vegas occurred, my reaction is, Lord, come back. Come on back. Let's just put an end to all this. It's time. It's time. And he's not come back yet. And what that tells me is his patience is enduring and his slowness to anger is at play. And why? Because he's compassionate and gracious. Why? Because he wants no one to perish. No one to perish. And so that helps reframe for me those men and women that don't believe Jesus is the Son of God, that don't believe He's the way to salvation, that maybe even mock that, and maybe there's evil in their hearts and they're doing crazy things. Part of me goes, Lord, would you just smite them? Would you just snap your finger and just, I just want that one gone. I want judgment to come today on that person. And the Lord is slow to anger, and he's saying, that person I care about. That person was created in my image, and I want that person back. I want that person back in relationship with me. And so I'm slow to anger. Now, the time comes when the Lord comes back, judgment comes back, and he's going to eradicate evil. He'll eradicate it. 
But until then, let's, let's press in, ladies, and pray for those men and women that we love and even those that we don't love that are outside the faith, that don't know Jesus as Savior, knowing that God is slow to anger. He's slow to anger. And so, so he's not just slow to anger with me, but he's slow to anger with those that curse him, those that don't love him. And that, when I focus on the characteristic of God that he's slow to anger, it gives me increased patience and compassion with those that are, that are um, say hateful things about him, that those that act in evil ways. I think, Lord, ultimately you long for them to be in relationship and fellowship. You sent Jesus to die for them too. And you're being slow to anger. So do I need to play a part, Lord? How do you want me to love them? How do you want me? Scripture says it's the loving kindness of the Lord that brings repentance. How do you want me to love them, Lord? So let's let slow to anger reframe how we view other people and how we view God and how we view ourselves. The next thing he says, I'm not going to camp out on that as, uh, as much today. I really want to move into the next thing that he says about himself when he says, I'm abounding in love and faithfulness. Maintaining love to thousands, abounding in love and faithfulness. Abounding in love and faithfulness. The word abundance means the property of a more than adequate supply. The result of a more than adequate supply. Now what's interesting about this, when the Lord describes himself as abounding in love and loving kindness and faithfulness, when abounding in it, it means there's more than enough. What's interesting is that we live, girls, in the most affluent country in the world. We live in one of the most affluent cities in the world, one of the most affluent neighborhoods in the world. And yet so much of the time, if you're like me, um, we live with a scarcity mentality. That we all, there's a fear deeply embedded that, that everything is running out. Time is running out. Finances are running out. Patience is running out. And so we live with a mindset that we've got to make sure that we grab ours. And here's how I see this pop up in my life. I've been very open and honest about my jean obsession, jean, blue jeans, how much I love them. That's the thing I like to shop for are blue jeans. And I probably have 857 pairs in my closet. But here's where I can tell that I live in a scarcity mentality. When there's a sale on jeans at a particular store that I love, and I walk into that store, and I see another woman in the same section as my size, it's on, it's on. So what I've noticed about myself is that I'll just kind of walk up to her, checking out to see what she's looking at, and if it's a pair that looks good to me, I just kind of get that uncomfortable stance next to her. All the while I'm kind of looking here, doing this hoping that she's going to just get irritated with whoever's standing next to her and push her cart on. Move it on, lady. Move it on so that I can grab that pair quickly. And I see, y'all, have y'all ever experienced that in the store with somebody? It's probably me that's been doing it to you. <laughs> but there's a, and, I, and never, does it, never does it cross my mind in that moment, you've got 857 pair already. You don't even need to be in this sale. You don't need to be at that rack. But I'm like, uh-uh. Uh Uh-oh, what's that pair? Oh, another pair of skinny jeans. Let me see that. Let me see that. I need another pair. There's a scarcity mentality, a scarcity mentality that we live with. I was talking to Jason yesterday morning about this message, and I said, what is it if you were to wake up in the morning, or if I'm just to ask you right now, um, what do you feel like you're lacking in? What's lacking in your life? What do you need more of? 
what comes to your mind? And he said, oh, probably money. There's always a sense of, I, I wish I was providing more. Um, he said, time. I look at our kids. Our kids are like a measure of time. It's like, oh, my gosh, they've grown six feet in 30 minutes. And so you just feel like time's running out. But I want to ask you the same question this morning. If, if, if I'm, I'm asking you that, not if I were to ask you, but I'm asking you, what is it that you feel like you're lacking in your life? What's lacking? What do you need more of? Do you need more patience? Do you need more fellowship? Do you need more community? Do you need more financial stability? Do you need more peace in your home? Do you need, what, what is it? I don't know what you need, but what is it that you feel as though you need? And then I want you to think about that thing, whatever it is. I need more understanding. I need more love in my life. I need more favor. I need more stuff. I don't know what it is, but that thing, how do you see God in that? Is God able to supply it? Yes. Does he want to supply it? Will he supply it? I think that's where we get tripped up. But will he? I mean, I know that he can, but will he? Will he? And the Lord is saying so clearly today, oh, you better believe it. You better believe it. But there is, um, we're going to dive into a passage of scripture that I think is going to help us see when our flesh bumps up against the Holy Spirit. And I come to him with a need, I typically will come, here's the need and here's the solution. You're welcome. You're welcome. (laughs) Hey, that's free today. That's on me, God. That's free. If you'll just go ahead and meet it. Here's the need and here's the solution. And the Lord is saying, come to me with the need. And I've got the solution. And that's where we get tripped up. Because I think the reason, I think we can all quickly connect with this truth that we go, here's the need and here's the solution. The reason we present the solution so quickly is because we like to control things. The reason we like to control things is because we're afraid that he won't do what we we need him to do. We're afraid... We have a scarcity mentality that he's not going to meet the need. And if he doesn't meet the need, I just don't know how I'm going to survive. So if I let go of these reins and I really give this need to you, God, and I really lay it in your hands, if I lay this kid before you, do you promise that they'll never hurt? You promise they'll never have to go through a hard thing? Promise that? Promise that? I don't know if he'll promise that. I'm going to hang on to a little bit more. I'm just going to pray in certain ways. Lord, help Beth always be happy. Help her always thrive in school. Help her always have a plentiful amount of friends. Help her always whatever, whatever. And God's saying, why don't you just bring me Beth? I'll take her from there. So that's what we're going to look at today, is when the Lord says, I'm slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. He never runs out. He never runs out. In Philippians 4.19, Paul says, This same God that meets my needs is going to meet all of your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. You know what that means when he says he's going to meet all your needs? It means he's going to meet all your needs. It's going to meet, he's going to meet all your needs. But sometimes my wants are a need. I need that pair of jeans. I need them. I need them. I need them. I need them. 
I need this to happen. And the Lord helps us filter out. What do you need versus what do you want? All right, let's go on. And uh, we're in Mark chapter 6 today. And we're looking at when Jesus fed the 5,000. And many of us in this room, some of us, this may be a brand new story in your ears. But for a majority of us, we've probably, this is one of those classic stories that we've been told from the beginning of time. If you've been in church for 30 minutes or longer, you've probably heard how Jesus broke the bread and the fish and he fed 5,000 people. I learned that when I was a little girl. And so my challenge to me and to you today is would you come at this with a fresh set of ears and a fresh set of eyes and just say, God, what is it you want to say to me today? And just um, sometimes when I've heard a story over and over, I'm like, yeah, 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 I've already been there, done that. I know how this thing's going to turn out. And I want you to just lay that aside and just be open to what the Spirit might say to you today in this passage of Scripture. It's a good one. It says this in verse 30. Let's jump right in. It says, The apostles returned to Jesus. Those are the 12 people he'd gathered around him. The apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry to her, and they told Jesus all that they had done and taught. And Jesus said, Okay, well, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place, and let's rest a little while. And he said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. Ministry was booming, essentially. They had crowds that were growing, and the apostles were ministering now. And they were tired, and Jesus said, okay, let's go off by ourselves, and we're going to go off to a remote place, and we're going to rest a little while. That's hard, isn't it? To go off to a quiet place and rest a little while. For some of us, it's like, no, I'd stay there all day. But Jesus is saying, let's go together. So in verse 32, it says, so they did that. They left by boat for a quiet place where they could be alone. Key word, where they could be alone. Alone. But many people recognized them and they saw them leaving. And people from many towns ran along ahead to the shoreline and they got there ahead of them. And Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat. Stop right there for just a minute. Let me paint this picture. They're exhausted. They're so drained. They're so tired. They need time alone. And when they get to the desolate, quiet place, there's a whole crowd that's waiting there. They've run on ahead. And when they get there, I just picture these people going, hey, here we are. All right, what you teaching today? Let's get back started. Let's get back. Let's get back. And in my mind, if I'm Jesus and the apostles, I'm like, shut that door. Shut, shut that door. There's times when I get home and I'm so drained from a day, I don't... If, if there's an unexpected guest or visitor, a drop-by, mm-mm. No, right, right, you feel it, don't you? No drop-bys. No drop-bys. It's like, you know, when, you, when, you, when you're settled in and you think, okay, I'm going to get some time by myself for just a little bit. Growing up, my mom used to say, I can't even hear myself think, y'all. And I remember that, what does that even mean? Well, I don't know, but I say it all the time now. I can't even hear myself think. I just need some time alone. And then all of a sudden, you realize, oh, you forgot. Your husband called, and he's invited 15 people over for dinner. Do you mind whipping something up, honey? That's what's happened. They get out of the boat, and here they are met by all these people. And if I'm Jesus, I'd say, you got to give us a minute, guys. Give us a minute. Y'all stay there. Don't come another step farther. Stay right there, and we're going to go way over there. And don't, don't call us. We'll call you. And when we call you, then it'll be time to come back. But give us a minute. And Jesus doesn't say that. Look at how he responds. The huge crowd has stepped out from the boat, and, he, and it says Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped out from the boat. Excuse me. And it says, and he, meaning Jesus, had compassion. 
had compassion. What was the baseline word we learned last week? Compassion. It means mercy. His baseline emotion toward you and toward me is always mercy. And that's his baseline emotion to his people when he sees them, even though he's tired. Mercy. And he had compassion on them. Why? Because they were like sheep without a shepherd. How do you view the most annoying person in your life? That person that you can't shake off no matter what it is that you do. How do you view them in that moment of exhaustion? Do you view them like a sheep without a shepherd? No. I view them as a, as a, a gnat. <laughs> a sheep without a shepherd. Do you know what that means? A sheep, sheep are, um, well, they're just not very bright animals. And they're animals that are prone to wander. And oftentimes when a sheep wanders away from the shepherd, Jesus says they're a sheep without a shepherd. Everyone needs a shepherd. A shepherd is a nurturer, a caregiver, and a leader. And they're like sheep without a shepherd because they're lost. And so sheep are very prone to wander. And when they wander off, they can't find their way back home. And so what they do is they start to bleat. That bleat, you know, that sound that she, I don't really know the sound, but I'm assuming bleat, like bleat, bleat. And they just kind of start screaming until somebody finds them. Until somebody finds them. Because they're just lost animals. There's an old hymn that I love to sing, and it says, Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. We're sheep that have found a shepherd, and there are people that are outside the flock that need to get in. And instead of looking at them as like they don't see it the way I see it, they don't agree, they're wrong, they're wicked, they're this, they're that, and the other, we don't condone sin. We see it for what it is. But we are always called to look at, this, at, at everyone as sheep that need a shepherd. I'm a sheep prone to wander, and my shepherd has found me. And I'm in the flock, and I'm following the shepherd. Who am I to say, just smite that one over there? Jesus is saying, I died for that one too, Laura. I died for that one too. Sheep without a shepherd. And so Jesus looked at them with compassion, and he saw the truth in them. He saw what was really true. He looked beyond their behavior, which was annoying. And he said, they're sheep without a shepherd. They're lost. That's why they're here. And in verse 35, it says, late in the afternoon, his, so it says, Jesus began to teach them. So as he's teaching them, it gets late in the afternoon. The day's gone down. It's about to be sundown. And it says, late in the afternoon, his disciples came to him, Jesus, and they said, okay, this is a remote place and it's already getting really late. So, Lord, send the crowds away so that they can go to a nearby farm or village and buy something to eat. Stop for a second. What's the problem? What's the problem that we just read in verse 35? It's getting late, and they what? They're hungry. So here's the problem, Lord. It's getting late, and they need something to eat. Here's the solution. What's the solution? Send them away. Send them away into a village, and that's how they'll get something to eat. Oftentimes, we instantly, when we're faced with a problem or we're faced with a circumstance that's outside of our control, we look at it with our natural eyes, and we try to fix it with our natural skills. Here's the problem. They need something to eat. We clearly don't have what they need right here. So send them away so then they can get fixed over there. Send them away, Lord, because we can't fix it. We don't have what it takes. We're lacking food. What are you lacking today? 
They were lacking food in this story. So I want you to keep that in context. They present the problem, present the solution. Jesus responds and says, okay, you feed them. So instead of Jesus saying, oh, thank you so much. That is so smart. Okay, what road do we want to send them down? That one, y'all take care of it. You've got this thing together. You understand what needs to happen. Jesus looks at them and says, you feed them. That's crazy. It's crazy. So don't feel guilty when you hear God speak and you go, that's crazy. That makes no sense. His economy is always flipped on its head in our natural world. It never really makes sense. And so he looks at them and says, you feed them. And they're looking at him like, what? I shared this yesterday. Sunday night, Jason and I are are helping as leaders in this discipleship course. And there's lots of folks in this class. And Sunday night, we were gathering together. And we just had a time where we were praying for each other and just whoever had needs, and, and there was a gal that was um, being prayed for by one of the pastors, and she began to cry, and she began to weep, and she was literally on her knees, and she was clearly upset, and I just felt a burden for her, so I just went over, and I got down on my knees in front of her, and my intention was one, just, it was, it was only this, was just, I just wanted to stroke her hair and just provide some comfort, just, I didn't know, I've never seen her in my life, don't know her, don't know anything about her but I felt burdened and compassionate toward her. So I went over, and I'm just kind of stroking her hair. And the pastor whispers in my ear, and he says, you know what to do. And he leaves. And I was like, "Uh uh-uh. No, no, no. Don't, don't, no, no. Have you ever felt that way? No, Mm -mm. no, Mm -mm. that's the disciples right now. You feed them. You feed them. No, no. How many times have we called our friends to talk about somebody that needs prayer? And we think, ah, Lee, I don't know what's going to happen, how that's going to turn out. Gosh, Lord, send somebody. Lord, send somebody to comfort her today. Lord, send somebody to provide for them what they need. Lord, send somebody. Lord, fix this. And the Lord's saying, "You, you feed her. You minister to her. You care for her. You do it. You do it. That's hard. So he says, you feed them. You feed them. And the disciples respond, with what? (laughs) With what? Have you ever done that? With what? When my pastor walked off, I was like, you know what to do. No, I don't. Tell me what to do. I, I. No. And they're saying, with what? What do we feed them with? We don't have it. We're lacking. He says, we've had... Um, we'd have to work for months to earn enough money to buy food for all of these people. There's over 5,000 people present. Jesus says in John 14, he says, I tell you the truth, that anyone who believes in me will do the same works that I've done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. I have a sweet, sweet, sweet friend that is, has a health ailment that's, that's um, gripping her right now. And last night we gathered around her late into the night to pray for her. And I walk into this and I'd rallied the troops to pray for her. And in my mind, all I'm feeling initially is I'm lacking. I don't really have the wisdom. I don't know. But I know this, Lord, that you've said I'm going to do even greater works. You've said that I have everything that I need. You've said that I've got the power within the Holy Spirit. And you've also said if your friend is sick, gather around him and pray for them. 
Are we trying to turn that light off? You want me to just pause and you can turn it off, Anne? Thank you. Anne Finston. She'll be here all week, y'all. Tip your waiters. Um, so, uh, so anyway, what am, what am I talking about? I'm talking about Jesus? Yes. Okay, I think that is. Let me get back on my train of thought. And so they said, we don't have anything to feed them. We don't have enough. We don't have enough money to supply. We don't have the wisdom. We don't have it. Oh, my goodness, how many times have I felt that way? I don't have it. And so then Jesus says this in verse 38 that I think is beautiful. He says, well, how much bread do you have? What do you have? Go and find it. And so they came back and reported, okay, we've got five loaves of bread and two fish, and we've got over 5,000 people. Five loaves of bread and two fish. And Jesus says, well, give it to me. And so what Jesus is saying in my life and in your life is give me what you do have. Just bring it to me. What, what do you have? Well, you've got a tongue, Laura. You've got a mouth. Your voice isn't mute. You've got that. You've got an able body. What do you have? You've got compassion. You're on your knees right in front of this girl. Bring to me what you do have and then watch what I do with the rest. And then he says, so they came back and reported what they had. And then Jesus told the disciples to have people sit down in groups on green grass. Don't miss this. This is an easy thing to pass over. Jesus is about to supply abundantly beyond what they could think or imagine. But to do so, he says, sit them in groups of 50. Why did he do that? He didn't have to do that. What he could have done is said, all right, let's start breaking this stuff off and pass this out quickly. Because the sooner we get this passed out, the sooner we can leave and go to where we really want to be. But Jesus is so in tune with the Father that the Father's saying, these are my sheep, and they need a shepherd. And so Jesus says, sit down in groups of 50, because not only am I going to provide what you need, but I'm going to fellowship with you. I'm going to sit down with you. I'm going to look you in the eye. I'm going to break bread with you, and we're going to have a meal together. God is always about relationship, always about relationship. And oftentimes that frustrates me because I just want him to be about the solution. I want him to provide what I need, and I want us to both, we can go on our way. I'm going to fist bump you, and we'll check in later, but I'm going to go. I've got a lot on my plate today. And Jesus is saying, no, we're going to sit down, and we're going to be together because that's what you really need. So he sits them down in groups of 50, and then watch what he does. It says he took the five loaves and two fish. He looked up toward heaven, and he blessed them. And then it says he broke the loaves. He broke them. He broke the loaves. He broke the bread. You may have heard this before. In the Last Supper, Jesus says, this is my body that is what? Broken for you. Now, why would he do that? Why would Jesus break that bread? In breaking the bread, he was able to multiply the bread. In breaking the bread, he was able to multiply the bread. Now, watch this. If we keep this bread like, like this... And we think, okay, we don't want to break this. We don't want to break this. How am I going to feed y'all? How am I going to feed you? I don't know. I mean, you can't swallow this whole. So it really doesn't do a lot of good to you. And so what, what am I going to do if I'm called to feed you? And this is what I have. And even so, on top of it, it's pretty crusty. It's like, I don't even know if I can get, what am I going to do, just lick this? The only way I'm going to eat this bread is if I break it. 
Somehow, I'm going to break it with my teeth, I'm going to break it with my hands, but I've got to break it. Y'all, when Jesus wants to use us, he breaks us. He breaks us. When he wants to multiply my ministry, when he wants to multiply the influence through me, he does it through breaking me. And here's what I typically see through brokenness, painful. Ouch! Don't do that. Just Can we just keep it like this? Just keep it like this. This is so much more comfortable. I just want to stay crusty. I'm happy with crusty. Happy with crusty because I think crusty may mean comfortable. I think crusty means void of pain. I want you to use Beth. I want her ministry to far exceed mine. Far exceed mine, but I don't want you to break her. saying just look at the cross just look at the cross and so instead of seeing this as I see this as ripped apart too often and the Lord is saying no what I'm doing is I'm opening it up I'm opening it up when you're in a restaurant and they lay something like this and it's hot out of the oven what's the first thing we do is we start breaking this puppy up why because this is where we slather the butter (laughs) why because this is the good stuff I don't, I don't really care about this crusty point right here. I want all this good stuff. <clears throat> That's the purpose in breaking. Because when I'm broken, I'm out of control. I don't call the shots. I don't get to have the final say. When I'm broken, there's a dependency on the Lord that otherwise would not exist. But through that dependency, I do things that I otherwise could never do could never, ever do. And so he broke the bread to give an example to his people. This is what it looks like to serve. This is what it looks like. You lay your life down. You're opening up. Don't be afraid of it. I never do this with intention to harm you, to rip you apart. I'm the God that heals. And so when I'm breaking you open, it's to open you up and to get this crusty stuff off you that you think is keeping you safe, but it's hindering you. It's hindering you from going farther. How does he break me? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Just name it. Name it. Hurricane Harvey. Children. Marriage. Ministry. Health. Fear. Emotions. He'll use whatever to bring me to my knees so that I can be a beautiful offering to him. He blessed it, he blesses me, and he blesses you. He breaks us, and then he multiplies us. And he multiplies us into abundance, abundance, abundance. And so our economy is, I want to follow Jesus, but I want to follow Jesus without pain. And here's the thing, if that's your economy, you will find segments of Christianity that will teach that. It's always up and to the right. But I dare all of us to stay grounded in Scripture and look closely. Is that what Jesus says? Does he say in this world you will have an opulent lifestyle that is void of pain? He doesn't. What does he say? In this life you will have trouble. Y'all, why? Because this isn't heaven. This isn't heaven. Things are not set right yet. He is slow to anger. We live in a world where evil exists. We live in a world that is not perfect, that is broken, and we will not come out unscathed. 
But the Lord says, take heart, I've overcome the world. And that thing that came into your life, I allowed it to come in there. It's going to break you. But if you'll let it, if you'll come to me with it and you'll leave it with me, I'm going to break it wide open. And I'm going to heal. Wounds in you that you don't even know are there. And that thing that you think is going to take you under, it's not. Why? I've already promised you that. In Isaiah, I've said, you will go through deep waters, but you won't drown. You will go through the fire, but you're not going to be consumed. Paul says in the New Testament, we are hard-pressed on every side, but we're not crushed. He wants to provide for you every one of your needs, but he gets to determine how those needs are met. I don't get to, to call the shots. That's who Yahweh is. And so I have to decide, is, am I following Yahweh? Am I following Jesus? When I say yes to him, yes. And here's what we really get, is we get him, the bread of life. We get him. But you get to decide and I get to decide. And I surrendered my life to him years ago. And yet I have to re-surrender it every 30 minutes, it feels like. And that's okay. He knows that we are dust. He knows that we are weak. He knows that we are feeble. He broke the bread. And then he says, after that, it says, and he just kept on giving the bread to the disciples. He kept on giving. He kept on giving so that they could distribute it to the people. He kept on giving you exactly what you need so that you could keep on giving to those in need. He will give you and provide for you everything that you need. He just keeps giving. It's who he is. It's who he is. You don't have to be afraid that you're going to run out. And verse 42 says, they ate as much as they wanted. Our God is not a God of scarcity that says, we're about to run out, so you just get this little pinch of bread like at communion. That's it. Now it's going to satisfy you for 30 minutes, but that's it. Just take that. Don't ask for more. That's selfish. You get one scoop. That's it. They kept on eating until they had all that they wanted. He's a God of abundance, of abundance. They ate as much as they wanted. And afterward, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftover bread and fish. Leftovers. A total of 5,000 men and their families were fed. What are you lacking today? What are you lacking? Resources, insight, wisdom, direction, relationship, freedom, power, perspective, peace, What are you lacking today? The Lord wants to surprise you and meet your need and keep on meeting it and keep on giving and keep on giving until you've had all that you want. All that you want. Will you be women of courage? And will I be a woman of courage that says, Lord, here is my need. I'm bringing it to you. And not only am I bringing it to you, but I'm going to trust you with it. I'm going to trust you with my kids. I'm going to trust you with my marriage. I'm going to trust you with my ministry. I'm going to trust you with my health. I'm going to trust you with my lifespan. I'm going to trust you with my purpose. I'm going to trust you with my peace. I'm going to trust 
you, Yahweh. Will you do that with me today? And let's together watch him keep on giving. Slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining his love to thousands. Let me pray for us. Jesus, we come to you today. We are sheep in need of a shepherd. And you have called us your very own. You know our names. You knit us together in our mother's wombs. All the days are ordained for us before one of them has come to be. All the days. You have set us in broad places, you tell us. Green pastures. Surely goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our lives. Our cup overflows. Why? Because Yahweh loves us. Thank you. Thank you. Lord, we believe that, and we just ask that you help us with our unbelief. Would you increase our faith beyond measure this semester? We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. See you next week.